and welcome to the Sea Report for Wednesday, April 14th, 2021. You guys know what day it is. You guys know what time it is. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, glad to have you guys all along with us today. So um, let's see, before we get into the Sea Report today, I'm going to try and slow down a little bit because I think I talk too fast sometimes. I don't know what you guys think. You can let me know in the chat. But I was doing some uh, chat review yesterday. And let me see here. Oh, sorry, guys. Doing some on-the-air maintenance real quick. All right, cool. I was doing some uh, chat review yesterday. It's just, it's a it's a pleasure to, and I've never had a chat room that gets quite as crazy as it does on the foxhole. I mean, I'm basically just giving all my attention and love to the foxhole. Screw Twitter, screw Twitch, screw YouTube, of course. Um, but you guys are where it's at. So uh, let's see. Um, we had a comment here from Just Fed Up. Uh, said, I told I should check it out. Here I am. So I'm glad that you stopped in, Just Fed Up. Hope to see you back now. Monkey Toast 71 you were blowing up that chat yesterday. It was pretty cool. Um, he said, y'all did awesome adding this channel. I love this guy. I love you too, Monkey Toast 71 And also, we should sue these people for discrimination. I totally agree. Uh, that, of course, is in reference to uh, some of the COVID um, conundrum that we're facing these days, where it is making discrimination much more apparent, uh, especially when you have private businesses who are saying that they can and will discriminate. And we have an article um, and some more information on that that I'll be presenting later on in the show today. Just, you know, to give us a little bit more ammo, to give us a little bit more uh, uh, more um, uh, fire behind our fight and uh, to help us stand up for our rights. Because sometimes these things are not self-evident, believe it or not. I mean, uh, the entire discrimination um, idea, uh, though it's, you know, buried at the back of the mind, didn't come to the forefront until, you know, through various media and uh, different uh, reporters and hosts, you know, that these ideas get out. And all of us process information differently. So it's always great to be in a wealth uh, or a well of great information, um, wealth and well. And uh, Leah, Worth, uh, Leah Worth, welcome to the Foxhole fam. Thank you very much for the warm welcome. So all right, just wanted to do those little shout outs before I got underway with the report today. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into it. Now, of course, Trump does lead at the Sea Report. And uh, we had a pretty interesting uh, news drop for uh, President Donald Trump and uh, his uh, lovely ilk out there. Now, uh, we had uh, from Axios talking about America First Policy Institute. So we have the new America First Policy Institute. And uh, this is basically, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it says. This is one that is supported by Trump as well. He, uh, he did give an endorsement for this organization. Um, but let me go ahead and share with you guys some of what uh, the America First uh, Policy Institute is all about. Um, uh, from an Axios, Axios article. Um, yeah, yeah, we know who Axios is. We're not a fan. But again, it says Trump alumni launch largest post-administration group. A constellation of Trump administrators stars today will launch the America First Policy Institute, a 35-person nonprofit group with a first-year budget of $20 million and the mission of perpetuating former President Trump's Pub, uh, populist policies. Why does it matter? Two top Trump alumni tell me, this is the Axios reporter, AFPI is by far the largest pro-Trump outside group, 
besides Trump's own Florida-based machine. In the coming months, the group plans to take a large office space near the United States Capitol as a symbol that it, it will fight to be a muscular, well-heeled center of the future of conservatism. Um, let's see, they're also told that Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump are formal advisors. In fact, I have heard that uh, Ivanka is among one of its founders, although she's remaining kind of behind the scenes and off the roster. Um, the president and CEO is Brooke Rollins, a Texan who was head of Trump's Domestic Policy Council. All right. And Rollins, who met Trump at Mar-a-Lago uh, last week to update him on plans for the group, told him that the group um, wants to be dreamers and risk takers. And no, we're not talking about the kind of dreamers that sneak across the border and then have a baby. Um, we're talking about the dreamers who are the Americans who still have the American dream and will still fight for the American dream. The board chair is Linda McMahon, who was a member of Trump's cabinet as the administrator of the Small Business Administration after winning fame as a pro-wrestling entrepreneur. I was tickled when I saw that Linda McMahon was on the board. Um, you know, I haven't followed wrestling in years. Like, I used to be a big WWF fan back when it was WWF. But I dropped out after The Undertaker became a biker. I was like, I cannot take this anymore. Anyways, okay, so Linda McMahon is serving on the board of the America First Policy. I know that Vince McMahon, I, I mean, I don't follow wrestling. And for all I know, he's passed. But I know that he was a Republican. So, anyways... Uh, getting right back into it, the vice chair is Larry Kudlow, Trump's economic advisor, a longtime CNBC personality who's now a Fox Business host. Now, Larry Kudlow, I don't know. You know, there's some of these people that, you know, sometimes you wonder why is Trump endorsing some of these people? Um, uh, for example, as we are going to actually go through this website a little bit so you can kind of see what it is all about. Um, but uh, what we had, Rick Perry is on. <laughs> on the roster and I am not a Rick Perry fan. I don't care whose state he was governor for. You know what I mean? But um but when it when you boil down to it, when when it comes down to it, kind of the way that I do see it is that um we all have bad moments. We all make bad decisions, right? Um what we can hope for at the most is at least Perhaps these people will try and redeem themselves for what they've done in the past and maybe make up for make up for it moving forward um, and definitely adhering to the America first policy. Because, again, you know, Trump could have been any person. You know, I have this Trump flag behind me and it's not so much because of the personality or the man. I never liked Trump. You know, before this, uh, I was not a fan of his shows. Um, in fact, I believed that Trump was a ringer for the Clintons because he was in that Democrat cloud, you know, most of his life. But I believe that Trump was a ringer at the very start of this and that he was going to throw the race for Hillary. Um, and I am so glad that I was wrong on that point. And I am so glad that um, I misjudged that because had he been a ringer, that would have been terrible. But, you know, Trump could have been anyone. Anyone who uh, had the same values that we did, that believed the same things that we do, that uphold the Constitution, that believe in the sovereign rights of man as given to us by our creator, whomever it is that you believe that that may be. And, and I don't tend to get into religion here either, so I'm not going to um, bog you guys down with those other notions. But, you know, it, it really could have been anyone. And, you know, like we've heard about the content of the character and 
I don't need to preach to the choir. So, so let me get back to this article. It says AFPI, now based in the Crystal City area of Arlington, Virginia, has been in the planning stages since December. The group will also have offices in Fort Worth, where Rollins remains based, Miami, and New York. Uh, Rollins plans to move the group to Washington to be closer to the action. So yeah, I'm glad we're going to set up house. We're going to set up shop. We're going to have a beachhead in the most uh, Democrat, progressive, liberal, run-down, ruined states there are in this union. And uh, maybe we can infect them with the virus of liberty, right? Okay, so former Energy Secretary Rick Perry bleh, uh, heads the Center for... Um, uh, Center for Energy Independence, National Security, will be co-chaired by John Ratcliffe, righty, Trump's last director and national, of national intelligence and retired Army Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg, who, has na who was national security advisor, advisor to Vice President Pence. Uh, Jack Brewer, a former NFL player and advisory board member of Black Voices for Trump, heads the Center for Opportunity Now, focused on an undeserved community agenda. Paula White Kane, a Trump spiritual advisor, <laughs> spiritual advisor, um, will head a Center for American Values focused on religious freedom and the Second Amendment. Now, that's kind of cool, guys. They're going to put religious freedom and the Second Amendment in one category, I love that. It's like, if you're going to take my God, you're going to get some guns. I love it. I love it. I love it. Former Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi will head Law and Justice Center. Now, Pam Bondi does have a little bit of quagmire around her. I don't know if any of you guys have heard that she may have been involved with Pence and her name might be on a sealed indictment rego regarding uh, child sex uh, abuse and human trafficking. But again, we'll just have to wait to see because I thought her defense of Trump during the impeachment process and uh, the Russia collusion scandal, it was on point, guys. Like, her defense was on point. But again, she may be wrapped up in that quagmire. Let's think about redemption. Let's not speculate. Let's just see what happens. We got to keep those positive vibes rolling forward. We got to keep supporting those who are going to put America first. And then we'll weed them out if we have to. But like I said, with uh, this whole optical illusion of Joe Biden's presidency, um, you may come to find that uh, maybe that die that I was talking about in yesterday's show that allows us to see where everything is going in uh, the deep state, the black hat's corner, uh, see where all of those veins are, are stretching with poison. Maybe she doesn't have it in her anymore. Maybe she's redeeming herself. I don't know. Maybe you guys never even heard about this scandal with her and Pence. Um, it's basically been wiped from the internet. Like, uh, some of you, some of you may have been privy to it, but, um, it's hard to find that information now. Anyways, uh, President Trump released in a statement, the Patriots assembling the America First Policy Institute, AFPI, are some of the greatest champions for freedom, free enterprise, national greatness, and the primacy, the primacy of American workers, families, and communities that our nation has ever seen. Um, it says, a he also said, AFPI has... AFPI has my full support as they work not only to preserve the historic accomplishments of my administration, but also to propel the America First agenda into the future. 
He says, I look forward to working with them to save America. So awesome, awesome, President Trump. Glad to hear it. It's glad to see that he still has people on his side at different levels, not just we patriots uh, who were fighting for him as well, but he still has some people out there on his corner. So looking at this, we'll just go through this real quick, quickly. The America First Policy Institute. Um, look at this. Jobs first, opportunity first, security first, freedom first, innovation first. Uh, clicking down through that. You know, uh, they're going to have the Center for American Prosperity, Center for American Workers, Center for Fair Trade. That's exciting because it's going to it is really going to drill down into all of these different levels that uh, have been tied up so much by the deep state and the, those bad actors in that uh, conglomerate of, you know, uh, nasty and, and dirty politicians, businessmen, media people and stuff like that. So it's like they can address each of these. It's, it's just it's great. You know, we saw saw Trump doing that through um, whether uh, he didn't do like through much as executive order, but through legislation and other things that he was getting passed when they had the Senate majority and then also a healthy amount of fighters in uh, the House. But Center for Healthy America, Center for Education Opportunity, Center for Second Chances. That's kind of what I was talking about there. It says the American system of justice exists to safeguard our rights and in doing so create and sustain secure communities where Americans can live and dreams and their dreams can flourish. Uh, too often the justice system fails at both outcomes. Too often our politicians fail as well. Um, but that's why we should not be depending on people to uh, uphold us. I mean, in the in the daily grind, in the nine to five, it, it does get hard, you know, to really, and it's designed that way. It is totally designed for us to be so jaded and tired that we don't even want to care about politicians. We'll just give that basket over to the people that we supposedly elected, right? But that is not what we should be doing. Doing. Um, we should act. We should most definitely be involved and doing what we can um, to show those people that we put into office that a we will hold them accountable and that b we also do have a brain of our own and that we do see that things are happening. Now, under security, first they're looking at the Center for Homeland Security and Immigration. I mean, there's going to be some um, some border uh, stories we got talking about today in a minute. Center for American Security, Center for China Policy. Now, I really like that one. For decades, DC insiders and Wall Street elites perpetuated the lie that American engagement with communist China would cause that nation to open, to liberalize, and to reform. Even as evidence accumulated to the contrary, some benefiting from this deception continued to profit off of China at the expense of America's stature and America's worker. Now we're also going to have the Center for Election Integrity. God guides, they are covering it all. Uh, freedom First, we have a Center for American Freedom, Center for 1776. Now we know that they had the 1776 uh, project, I think is what it was called, that they were trying to do to institute it and taking out that stupid, was a 1618 project, that ridiculous thing that they had going on that they were going to try and teach our kids and teach our students across America? No, I don't think so. Center for American Values, Center for Law and Justice, Center for Media Accountability. The American founders recognized that a free press was a essential to the preservation of our liberties and therefore our republic. Exactly. And so uh, it's good to see that they're going to be having that available and open as well. And finally, innovation first. 
Uh, Center for Energy Independence, Center for the Environment, Center for New Frontiers. New Frontiers? Hmm. wonder what that could be, right? I mean, after all, uh, the border is not the new frontier, even though no American saw that wall until after President Trump was out of office. So yeah, I'd say go check it out. Maybe, um, maybe you know, uh, support them or get on their uh, mailing list if you want to know what is going on with the America First Policy Institute. I know I do. All right, Trump. That's right. Trump says do it. Do it, y'all. <laughs> okay. So let me go ahead and get our dear president off of the screen. And oh, there we go with the border wall. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about the border wall for a moment. Um, we had a story coming out of the Gateway Pundit that talked about how uh, one of our representatives in the House has introduced a bill um, that would protect the border wall as a national monument. So that's pretty interesting, huh? And that was uh, Representative uh, Calvin, uh, or sorry, Madison Cawthorn. I was going to say Calvin Hawthorne. It was Madison Cawthorn uh, introduced the bill to uh, the legislature today. It says uh, the legislation called the Donument Act in honor of Trump would create the Southern Border Wall National Monument. It would effectively provide permanent protection from alteration for the wall, defending it from any future executive orders by President Joe Biden or anyone else to demolish it, according to a statement by Cawthorn. Um, and then we also have a little bit of the text of the legislation here. Um, there you go. So you can see it's for immediate release. Let me go ahead and blow. Let me blow this up for you guys. Uh, let's see. Um, from the office of Representative Cawthorn, 11th District of North Carolina. Um, North Carolina 11 Congressional Representative Madison Cawthorn dropped the Donument Act for the House floor last week. This bill would protect the southern border wall built by President Trump by creating a southern border wall national monument. Um, Cawthorn is stated to have said, For four years, President Trump worked to secure the southern border of the United States by constructing a wall in places where there was little to no fencing. The efforts by the Trump administration to safeguard our southern border through the construction of a border wall reduced drug and human trafficking and throttled the flow of illegal immigration. President Trump was able to build 455 miles of wall by the time he left office and had funds allocated for further construction. A secure southern border was no longer simply a dream. It was a tangible reality. Sadly, this reality is fast disappearing. Immediately after gaining office, Biden issued a slew of executive orders, one of which directed a pause in planned wall construction and a reallocation of funds obligated for that purpose. Following Biden's decision to place partisan politics over the security of the American people, illegal immigration and drug trafficking rates skyrocketed. It's time to put the safety and well-being of Americans first. The Donument Act establishes the southern border wall as the southern border wall national monument and gives the monument permanent protection from alteration and he says that he will make every effort to protect and secure the southern border and advance the america first agenda if biden refuses to finish the wall you can be assured that american patriots will do everything in their power to protect it
Now, the article from the Gateway Pundit continues that the bill would preserve about 289,920 acres in the area along and around the border in California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. As a national monument, approximately 450 miles of the wall were built under the Trump administration, according to the Department of Homeland Security. And although the bill is unlikely to be passed by the Democrat-controlled House, it could serve to rouse the support of many Republicans in Congress who remain loyal to Trump and provide a basis for Republican attacks against the Biden administration and immigration policy. All right. And speaking of those loyal to Trump, uh, we're going to do a quick follow up to yesterday's story on Matt Gates. We were talking about Matt Gates and uh, some of the things that he's going through. And it really is coming out, guys, that this might have been a well-constructed plot to expose exactly how these people blackmail politicians. Of course, I think if we were to if we were able to speak with Epstein and uh, maybe how he blackmailed politicians, um, that might be a better story to tell. But anyways, they're doing what they can, guys. It's just showing some of the scandal and some of the things that um, those who put America first face in this day and age, which is really quite a shame. Now, in the follow-up to this story, um, you guys probably saw and heard the project Veritas videos. I know we talked about it last night on Q&A Holes Live, uh, where, um, wherein they did the CNN exposed, hashtag CNN exposed, or hashtag exposed CNN. Either way, CNN's exposed. So uh, there was a brief clip where he mentioned, uh, he met, um, where Matt Gates' story was mentioned. So let me play that for you guys real quick. And then that'll be the perfect segue into the rest of this video, which I'm going to share with you guys. So let's go ahead and get this going. Actually, let me just do the small screen because it's a very short clip. Okay. Okay, can you define the Like, I think I know, but, like, how, how is it, um, what's the mechanism? If the agenda, say, is to, like, get, like, Matt Gates right now, he's, like, this Republican, like, uh, he's a problem for the Democratic Party because he's so conservative, right? And he could cause a lot of hiccups in passing the laws. So, it's... It would be great for the Democrats to get him out. So we're going to keep running those stories to keep hurting him and make it so that it can't be buried and, like, just, you know, settled outside of court and just, like, you know, uh, if we keep pushing that, it's helping us. That's propaganda. It's helping us in some way. All right, guys. So, yeah, so that's pretty interesting that he brought up the whole Matt Gates thing. Oh, let me fix this before that screws me up. Okay, cool. So uh, now what I'm going to do, guys, is I do want to share with you guys the uh, this, the uh, Veritas video that they did with the CNN Exposed. Now, this is part one of the video. We're not going to show part two. Part two is just released today. And part two, uh, in reviewing it, it was really more of a... Um, it was really more of a blow to the morals, the lack of scruples that the people at CNN have. And, and it went to show, you know, exactly where their motives are and stuff like that. So we won't play that one. But this one does talk a lot about how they took out Trump from the words of um, one of the I guess it was one of the uh, heads, Chester, Chester, Chesterfield. No, just kidding. <laughs> Let me just get this video up there for you. He he he's one of the tops at at CNN. So, 
let's see, you guys know, I'm sure you heard the story, but I do want to get this archived for our report. So let's go ahead and play that for you guys. Now we'll see you in a few minutes. So it's going to be our focus. Like, uh, like our, our focus was to get Trump out of office. Without saying it, that's what it was. Trump uh, was in shaking or whatever, and he was losing it. He's on the fit. We were creating a story there. So that's, that's, I think that's probably it. So I'm standing here at 30 Hudson Yards. Warner Media is in right there. That's CNN's corporate headquarters. We're in New York City. Jim Shudo just walked out. Funny enough, I asked him about the videos we have just obtained of a CNN director, Charlie Chester, on tape for years. We've heard that CNN is the most trusted name in news, but a CNN director is on tape telling us that they're propaganda, helping a certain political candidate, employees admitting what we've always known to be true. This time, it's on tape. Look what we did. We got Trump out. I am 100% going to say it. And I 100% believe it, that if it wasn't for saying it, I don't know that Trump would have got voted out. I really don't think so. Oh, really? I think if COVID, ha I think if COVID hadn't happened, it wouldn't have mattered what we covered, and Trump would still be in office. Oh, I, no, I believe no, I, don't think I, I came to CNN because I wanted to be a part of that. So Chester says that CNN is responsible for getting Trump out of office and helping Biden through his term. Listen to this tape. Chester and Hoffman believe CNN managed to get Trump out of office, their words, and Chester calls CNN propaganda yeah i mean like trump we did it like when trump uh was uh i, I don't know like standing shaking or whatever it is, we brought in like so many medical people to like all tell a story that like it was all speculation that he was like neurological damage like that he was losing it he's unfit to you know whatever we were we were creating a story there that we didn't know anything about you know we were so that's, that's, I think that's probably it. Yeah, um, we had nothing else to run with in that time. We were like just taking shots off the bow, just hoping something would happen. You know? I guess I have a, a confession. I, I worry about Biden and his health, I guess. Your news health? What? No, I said Biden, our, our president. Like, I'm, I want to just, like, literally, I just want to, like, take care of him and make sure he's okay. Like, he's definitely, the whole thing of him running during the entire president, like, run for the campaign, showing him jogging was obviously a deflection of his age, and they're trying to make him, like, oh, unhealthy. Is that what we did? I, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? We would always show shots of him jogging. Yeah. And that I'm healthy, you know, blah, blah, blah. And him and aviator shades and like, and like you paint him as a young geriatric. I like so many arguments about like my dad be like, you're, um, you know, you're voting in Kamala Harris because he's going to die during the presidency. And I'm like, Right. I'm okay with that. I think she could she be a bitch. She'd probably be better, but... She probably could be a bitch in, like, a board meeting. Yeah. And you'd hate her as a boss. But she's real and better than what we've had. Right. Regardless. Yeah. I don't... I don't see... I think, I, I think we got him through this term. Even after Biden was sworn in, CNN still seemed to maintain 
a bias in the reporting, according to Chester. And then so there are complaints that like we're not covering that bias there. Oh, did you? Like we talked about it briefly, but but you talk about that briefly. You don't make that a huge Okay, so but the, the fact that we talk about the Trump tripping is part is a bigger nuance. It's a nuanced conversation because did, that's a sign. Did we harp on Trump tripping? I think we talked about it a little bit. As long as we talk about it a little bit with Biden, then I think we're going like, to. We didn't cover it all. Chester didn't just take credit for Trump's loss. He also alleges it was CNN's, quote, focus. They were focused on getting Trump out of office. Chester also believes that in the current news cycle, there is, quote, COVID fatigue. Chester saying that CNN has a game plan to fix that fatigue. I think there's just like a COVID fatigue. So like whenever a new story comes up, they're going to latch onto it. They've already announced in her office that once the public is will be open to it, we're going to start focusing mainly on climate, um, uh, climate like global warming, and like that's going to be our next like um, I don't know like what's it's, our, it's going to be our focus. Like, uh, like our well, focus was to get Trump out of office, right? Without saying it, that's what it was, right? So our next thing is going to be for climate change awareness. What does that look like? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I have a feeling it's just going to be like constantly showing videos of like decline and ice and weather warming up and like the effects it's having on the economy and, and really Who decides that? Head of the network, like just who's that? Is that Zucker? Yeah, I imagine that he's got his council and they've all like discussed like where they think. Um, so that's like the next pandemic, like story, like that will yeah that will will be to death. But that one's got longevity. You know what I mean? It's not like. There's a definitive ending to the pandemic, or, you know, like, it's going to taper off to a point that it's, you know, not a problem anymore. Probably think it's going to take years, so they'll probably be able to milk that for quite a bit, you know, so. So, climate change overload has... Be prepared. It's coming. <laughs> Stories like right now, um, we had an inside track right now where two stories are going to be pushed. Climate change is going to be the next COVID thing for CNN. We're gonna we're gonna hone it. Focus on that. I love it. But that's but that's a fair you thing. You saw that you said it's going to be like the new COVID. I feel like, well, that's the way it was built. Um, unless that was just a call to arms to get people to start writing and, and then we'll assess it. I don't know, but... Do you think it's going to be just like a lot of like fear? Like, climate? Yeah, fear sells. Jeff Zucker, I think you need to change your motto, the most trusted name in news. Your own employees, your own director is on tape actually telling the American people what we all believe to be true. The question is... Our focus was to get Trump out of office, right? Without saying it, that's what it was. Why isn't Charlie Chester willing to say the private part publicly? He'll say it privately, but he insists it's important to conceal it, to hide it from people. 
And that's the question, Mr. Zucker. Why is it so important to hide the truth of what you're really trying to do from the people? Gotta love Project Veritas. A lot of love for Project Veritas. All right. And I think James O'Keefe's uh, Veritas jacket is so hot. Like, that's such a hot jacket. Anyways. Okay, cool. So, yeah, there we go. It's about time that we got these uh, commies on tape uh, or on video saying what they say and, and, and es espousing the things that they truly believe and their motives. So, like I said, um, they have a, a part two out and that one really just goes to their lack of morals and their scruples, scrupulous nature. Um, so as opposed to but this one was a hot button because it just it proves that that was the point of their propaganda. And it's all propaganda, guys. It's all propaganda. Since, uh, since the, what was it? The, uh, NDAA uh, 2012, I think it was where they had put that in the bill, um, where they basically took away, uh, the protections that we had from including propaganda into our media and also not caring whether an American citizen was exposed to that propaganda, whereas we had those protections before. Anyway, so there's that, uh, Project Veritas doing some more good work for us and exposing these guys. So, uh, yeah, that's a great, that was a great video. So major thanks to James O'Keefe and his crew over at Project Veritas. All right, so now we're going to talk about the state of Arizona. Uh, let's see, we're going to do some headlines, headlines real quick, but let's see what we got here. We got uh, from Fox News, Arizona Attorney General Mark Bronovich on Tuesday urged Governor Doug Ducey to declare a state of emergency in the state in response to the growing crisis at the border. All right, so let's go ahead and take a little real quick look at his press release and blow that up for you guys. All right, it says, Dear Governor Doug Ducey, while the Attorney General's office is pursuing several legal remedies to protect Arizonans uh, during this border crisis, I believe more needs to be done. The following is a brief update on the actions taken along with the recommendations for your consideration. And then we'll skip down over to his recommendations. All right. He, he recommends that we declare a state of emergency pursuant to ARS 26-303D uh, and subsequently convene the emergency council pursuant to ARS 26-304 uh, to address the border crisis and the human and illegal drug trafficking that will continue to flow from it. Two, we should activate the National Guard to assist at the border. While you've recently requested assistance from the federal government to fund this type of action, the time is of the essence. Border Patrol agents and local law enforcement officials are overwhelmed and demoralized by this unprecedented surge of illegal immigration. They require reinforcements as soon as possible, even if it means we have to act now and fight for the federal dollars later, which is what Texas is doing. Uh, we're suing to get our money back. Provide financial assistance to the cities and towns dealing with the influx of undocumented immigrant, undocumented immigrants, illegal aliens. For example, the Gilliben Town Council recently declared a state of emergency after the Border Patrol dropped off dozens of undocumented immigrants without testing them for COVID-19 at a town park. More drops are expected. The city of Yuma has seen hundreds of undocumented immigrants delivered in recent weeks. These cities and towns will soon hit their breaking point if we do not provide additional resources. So that is coming from um, that is coming from the Attorney General of uh, Arizona. Again, that's uh, uh, Mark Peronovich. Uh, the article continues that. Um, 
Ducey has indicated that he wants to activate the state's National Guard to the border and has requested federal reimbursements to do so, something that Arizona has done before during border surges. Uh, Ducey's quote of saying, deployment of the National Guard is critical to dealing with this crisis and we are actively engaged in planning with the Guard. Um, actually, I was a spokesperson for the governor. But uh, that's not all that A.G. Bronovich is doing. As he mentioned, they are taking several recourses. Let's get the man on the screen. Let's get this man on the screen since he's going to go ahead and fight for the rights of Arizonans to be protected from these illegal aliens invading their state. Uh, Arizona Attorney General Mark Bronovich is suing the Biden administration over its immigration policy, citing questions over whether recent decisions comply with environmental regulations, Bronovich alleged that the administration has not complied with its obligations under the National Environmental P Policy Act, which generally requires federal agencies to weigh the potential environmental consequences of policies prior to their implementation. During an interview with Fox and Friends on Monday, Bronovich, a Republican, said NEPA is habitually used by Democrats to stop projects like highway projects and airport construction. So uh, that's just something that is going on there. Now, interestingly enough to note... Uh, Arizona is not the only state that is suing the Biden administration. Of course, we talked about on the C-Report before how uh, the states of Texas and Mississippi joined forces to um, sue the Biden administration over um, over the money that is being lost by the state uh, in taking the job or doing the job, I should say, of the federal government, especially since this is Biden's border crisis. But now the state of Texas and Missouri are suing um, are suing uh, uh, Joe Biden over the remain in Mexico policy. Now, we're not going to read the body of this text. It is far too much. I'll give you a summation. But just to, it goes to show you that the state of Texas and the state of Missouri are joining forces. It seems like our AG for the state of Texas, Ken Paxton, is really good at, you know, playing well with others and also getting others in on the fun. I love that Ken Paxton gets other states involved and that he doesn't go at this alone because there is power in numbers, as we know, guys. Um, now, now, it says here in an article from the Texas Tribune uh, that Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton sued the Biden administration on Tuesday in an attempt to restore a policy uh, put in place by former President Donald Trump that forced migrants seeking asylum in the United States to wait in Mexico while their claims are processed. Paxton and Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt argue in the suit that the Biden administration's move to suspend the so-called Remain in Mexico policy was an arbitrary and capricious decision. The attorneys, the attorneys general are asking the court to reinstate the enforcement of the program nationwide and to award Texas and Missouri the costs of this action and reasonable attorney's fees. So that's pretty interesting there. We see that that fight is coming at them hard. Um, and again, these were all policies that President Trump put in place. And we saw in a fit of lunacy, of course, because they are getting ready for that 25th Amendment, right? In a fit of lunacy, Biden went in there like a child throwing a temper tantrum and executive ordered everything that Trump did away. It really just goes to show, and I've said it before on the program, you know, this, this four-year... Um, this four-year single term that President Trump uh, served, optically speaking, and and then 
the new administration coming in, I mean, how long has it been since we've had a single term president, right? So you could see the black and white, the day and night of everything, and you can see the radical differences and the consequences that this new administration is causing the American people and the country itself. So, I mean, it may be a blessing, guys. We have to hold on to it. It's only going to go to expose it even further. And with all of us awake and all of us looking, because indeed the world is watching, I think that gives that behooves us to move forward, getting in touch with our legislators, getting in touch with our city council, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, guys, before I get long-winded, let's go on to the next story. Now, bringing us to the state of Nevada, the Epic Times reports that Nevada plans to fully reopen by the start of June, so says their governor. So here we're going into some COVID topics. Now, it says Nevada is setting a goal of reopening all its counties at 100% capacity by June 1st, Governor Steve Sisolak announced on Tuesday. Individual counties might opt to fully reopen earlier after they are set to be granted power on May 1st to make decisions over COVID-19 mitigation measures, Sisolak noted. County school districts will also be able to decide on mitigation measures. The state government on May 1st will be removing the statewide required social distancing, distancing mandate, although counties may impose their own restrictions, but the statewide mask mandate will remain until at least June 1st, Sisolak noted. No counties will be able to override the mandate. Only sovereign people will be able to override that mandate. Keep that in mind, Nevada. You can take your masks off now. After all, this is medical discrimination that you're facing if they tell you you can't enter into a business, right? Okay, so staying with the COVID topic, let's take a look at Montana. Montana, um, their governor is going to ban vaccine passports for their entire state. Now, Montana governor, and this comes from, let me see where I got this article, from the New York Post. Montana governor Greg Gianfort uh, has issued an executive order banning the development or use of vaccine passports in Montana. Now, vaccine passports are documents that could be used to verify coronavirus immunization status and allow inoculated people to more freely travel, shop, and dine. Uh, yes, so all of us vaccineless people who will not be getting the vaccine, we suddenly become second-class citizens, huh? Not fair if you ask me. The move by Gianfort on Tuesday comes as vaccine passports have drawn criticism as a heavy-handed intrusion into personal freedom and private health choices. Gianfort says in a statement that he encourages all Montana residents to get vaccinated, but that it is entirely voluntary. Vaccine passports have been implemented in New York, but the White House has said there will not be any federal vaccine passport programs. So let's talk a little bit about that, guys, because I know I've already mentioned it here this week when we're talking about these vaccine passports. Why are our legislators wasting their time passing these laws when there are already, there are already laws on the books to protect us? I will tell you why. It is because... A lot of us, and I don't mean us here specifically sitting around this table, but a lot of them out there don't realize that they have these protections and they're not fighting for them. Um, in other words, if a business were to turn them away for not wearing a mask, 
they might say, okay, when I went into, um, when I went into a national retailer last weekend, they told me that I could use the to-go pickup service. And I told them, I don't drive and you're not going to discriminate against me. I'm going to stay here in your store without a mask. I have a mental, uh, a mental condition. My bad. I have a medical condition. My mental condition is called, uh, being free minded and having a sense of liberty and sovereignty. My health condition, my medical condition is having a healthy body and a sound mind. So I pulled up this uh, interesting article cause I know I've talked about this on the program before. And I just, I wanted to reiterate against again, that we don't need these new laws to enforce the laws that are already on the books. I got this article from torysays.com. If you are a person who is immunocompromised, you will most likely be advised not to take vaccines that are floating about as cures when in fact they are experimental. So again, that, 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 that also goes to the point that what, are, what, what happens to the people who can't take the vaccines? What happens to the people who already have immunization, um, uh, sorry, immune system problems or those who might be allergic to whatever's in the vaccine? I mean, they're all experimental anyways, right? So in other words, you are partaking in a global experiment in which during animal testing, most animals died in three to six months after the vaccine due to ailments like heart failure, liver failure, kidney failure, and other conditions. So they already struck all of that experimental stuff on the animals with these COVID vaccines. But again, and there are articles to support that many of these animals died in three to six months from things like heart failure, liver failure, kidney failure, do I need to remind you guys about DMX, right? Okay, so in this article, there was a story um, about uh, Pearl Vision in Ohio. Now, apparently Pearl Vision in Ohio refused to see customers if they did not have a mask and if they were not vaccinated. Um, the manager actually posted on the business um, a mandate from 2020, 2020 Governor DeWine. Immunocompromised individuals are disallowed to undergo undergo medical evaluations if they do not wear face coverings, which is against CDC recommendations. Can you believe that? This, this business had the balls to tell people if you were, even if you are immunocompromised, we're still not going to help you without face coverings. That is such discrimination. It makes my blood boil. I mean, it really does. Now they've since taken away that, uh, that posting, but can you imagine, can you imagine if businesses actually got away with it? It's time to wake up America. It's time to take off your masks and proudly say, I have a medical condition. Just don't tell them what it is. Okay. Now, uh, let's, let's talk about this a little bit more. The article continues, not being vaccinated is a medical condition. Therefore, such entities are engaging in medical discrimination. This is dangerous territory with a small window for legal action. Every single American citizen should be at every single city council meeting demanding that their tax dollars be held from any businesses engaging in medical discrimination. Airlines, Major League Baseball, Coca-Cola, Walmart, Starbucks, and all of these other companies have a presence in your city. So we have to start here. Demand their state or city tax benefits are rescinded for violating discrimination laws. Enforce fines in the millions for medical discrimination. Use the laws. These laws are already on the books, guys. Boycotts can only be so effective, but causing them, causing these businesses 
millions of dollars in rescinded tax relief and imposing fines will be much more effective, right? The people can use the tax dollars and fines collected to invest in local communities and in local businesses. Um, medical discrimination is the key to solving big corporation bullies. That is how you dethrone them all by hurting their pockets. This avenue is how you evict an unelected administration. Hit them where it hurts. You hit them in their pocketbook because after all, money talks and corporations who talk a bunch of BS, they will walk. All right, guys. So let's see here. That's just something to think about. You know, it's like I said, uh, I've been into so many businesses since going maskless and they've put they've pushed back quite a bit. Um, but even in the last the last uh, venture I had out where I had a business that really um, one of their little lemming team leaders who who insisted it was his job to enforce these laws. And I told him, no, it wasn't. Your job is to bring me the best customer service that you can and to train your people to do likewise. Um, you know, he still insisted, uh, even at even at uh, the behest of us telling him to quiet down because he was getting visibly, visibly shooketh. Um, and so when we called over his store manager, Sergio, uh, we took some names. Uh, in fact, we'll, uh, we're sending off a letter to the district manager in regards to that. Uh, Sergio insisted that um, they, they do take in people with no masks and who have medical conditions and that they don't discriminate. Uh, to which I told him, then you need to train your employees better. And really where I'm going to move with this, guys, and we're going to put this in our recommendation to the district manager, is that from this point forward... The lemmings, the employees, the the ninth, the the you know the people who are not in in the management of that store and operations of that business, they don't need to be saying anything about it. They don't need to be saying anything about anyone walking without a mask. They don't need to get triggered. They don't need to go on the defense. They don't need to engage us. In fact, if I as a patron walk into a private business and I have no mask, that little lemming should know that. I've already spoken to their manager because I, I actually blew up at a lemming at the end of the day who scolded me for not having a mask when I went to go pick up my food at the counter. And I told him straight up, I already spoke to your manager. I have medical condition and you need to mind your business. So that's the angle I'm going to take from here on out in the fight. I'm going to make sure that it's only managers and people of operations or salaried people for that company are the ones addressing the maskless. We don't need their little employees policing us. We've got enough of that crap going on and that's where that's going to go. All right, guys, let's see here what we got next. We're going to get off the COVID topic. I thought we'd end today with a positive story. Um, so let's go to the state of, oh wait, that's Ohio. My bad. <laughs> I should have had that up a minute ago. Let me go back to our header. All right. Uh, so let's see here. We have a pot. Oh yeah, no, 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 I can keep Ohio up. Ohio, come back. All right. Okay. Ohio. So also from the state of Ohio, <clears throat> we have this story coming out of the sixth circuit. Uh, sixth circuit judge upholds Ohio law banning abortions of babies with Down syndrome. Uh, this just, it makes me disgusted to know that people would rid life just based on this type of a medical condition. I can tell you for a fact, I've been around a lot of people who have this medical condition. And I truly believe that, uh, you know, uh, individuals with Down syndrome are the light of the world. You never see them angry or upset or mad unless they're trained to be that way or they're taught to be that way. Um, um, they are just they are just the light of the world, guys. They they really hold that positive ball of they're so loving. They're so inclusive. They truly exempt exempt 
exemplify unconditional love if you ask me at least every single every single person that i've come across in that manner so um i was glad to hear this so i wanted to end this uh today's report with this good news now uh, the article from the federalist says the sixth circuit court of appeals ruled to uphold an ohio law banning abortions stemming from a prenatal down syndrome diagnosis the nine to seven decision on tuesday reverses a preliminary injunction ordered by a federal judge in march 2018 after Planned Parenthood and preterm Cleveland sued the state over the 2017 Down Syndrome Non-Discrimination Act because they claimed it was unconstitutional. Can you believe this, guys? These people think that it's, it's, uh, it's discrimination to, to be able to kill someone with Down Syndrome in the womb? That's not discrimination, guys. That's genocide. Anyway, citing Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey as a reference, senior United States Circuit Judge Alice Batchelder wrote in the lead opinion that restrictions on abortions are not unconstitutional and do not place an undue burden on women because the doctor must know that women, that the woman's reason for having the abortion is that she does not want a child with Down syndrome. The lead opinion in the Casey case corrected the mistaken view of a row sorry of row that saw any or all pre-viability attempts to influence a woman's decision as unwarranted saying that such an absolute rule was incompatible with the recognition that there is a substantial state interest in potential life throughout pregnancy she wrote while the lead dissenting judge u.s circuit judge karen moore it figures it would be a karen that's against protecting you know uh the the rights of the unborn regardless of whether they have you know a down syndrome but it figures it would be a karen claimed the law is self-devouring and logically untenable um, but Batchelder said that the ruling against the law would further the stigma associated with the practice of Down syndrome selective abortions. The state produced evidence that in the United States, two-thirds of the pregnancies with a fetal diagnosis of Down syndrome are aborted. The percentages are much higher in some other countries, making it one of the traits most commonly targeted for abortion. The state explains that when unborn children exhibiting a certain trait are targeted for abortion, that sends a message to people living with that trait that they are no, they are not as valuable as others. Isn't that tragic, guys? Even through HB 214, even though HB 214 does not prohibit Down syndrome selective abortions and might not actually reduce the incidence of such abortions by prohibiting doctors from knowingly participating in this practice, it sends a resounding message condemning the practice of selective abortions. So here, here, Ohio. I'm glad to see that that is the case with you guys and uh, that they are fighting for the rights of the unborn, regardless of the medical condition. All right, guys, I think that is going to wrap it for the C-Report. I actually got about five minutes left, so let's see what's going on here. Hope you guys are doing well today. Uh, it's a... Uh, you know, it's so funny because I even slowed down my speech today. I guess I could have thrown in another story, but uh, let's see what's up. Let's see what's up. Okay. God, you guys. <laughs> that is crazy in that chat box. You know how long it took me to scroll to the bottom? <laughs> 
Okay, let's see what we got going on here. I see we had some Q&A holes in the house. Hey guys, we'll see you later on tonight. Saw Joe one of two. All right, Classic Chick, oh, I'm Ohio. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Um, yes, Down Syndrome people are godly. I tell you, like, I, I can't believe that people want to do that. Um, yes, they bring so much love to your life. They certainly do. Like I said, it's only been under certain circumstances. And you've seen like, you've seen like the videos of the ones that are railing against Trump and stuff like that. And that's a learned thing. That's something that they're taught, you know, that, that's not, that's not generally the way that they are. So anyways, okay, guys, well, I guess I am going to cut out five minutes early. I hope you don't mind. I will be back tomorrow at the same time at the same place. If you guys are not on the Foxhole app and you're watching out there in ScrewTube land or Twitter land or Twitch land, which is it seems like Twitch is getting ready to do a mass exodus of all of the people as well. I think I heard over on another uh, another station that um, they're actually going into like your private lives and seeing what you do outside of of social media, which is really ridiculous. Um, but anyways, yeah, so uh, make sure you guys check that out. Again, we will be live again tonight at uh, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, or whatever time zone you're in that is that fits. Uh, you can check out the Q&A holes live tonight. So join us here on the Foxhole app. And then uh, I hope you guys have a fun time fox hopping. We'll see you on the flip side. This is Mr. C signing out for today. And uh, have a good one. <laughs>